Hey, it's Erin. And I'm Sarah. And this is 31 Nights of Scary Shit. Oh, hello. Oh, hello again. We're back. You don't know this, but we know this. We're back. We are back. Every time I say that. Like, it's a surprise. It is sort of a surprise, though. But I guess we have, like, some surprises coming up, but we can't tell you about it because we're excited about it. Some changes. I'm confused, but all right. Yeah, like, there's, like, four Aaron episodes in a row. Three. Oh, yeah. That's a change. It's a change. A change is good. Change. I don't know where I was going change with that. Change can be good. Change is wonderful sometimes. Sometimes. Anyway. When it stays the same. Oh, oh my God. I don't know what this episode is about. It just dawned on me. I don't either. I lied. I don't have anything. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is awkward because we're recording this. Awkward because I lied. No. Yeah. I have a zit. That's not what the episode is about. I have a fucking zit. I'm an adult with a zit. Oh my God. I'm, I get zits too when I'm a lot older than you. It happens. It's it's a thing that happens to women. Why? Because we get punished. We get the short end of every For stick. vaginas. Yes. And hormones. and Men have hormones, just not yeah. ones that give them acne, apparently. Apparently not. Assholes. Anyway. Yes. And so, in keeping with the theme of first, not that it was a theme, I declared that it was. That you just decided I that just was decided your theme. I decided it was a sub-theme. A sub-theme. Of the theme. Um, this is a story about a couple who were the first uh, cre- credited, first uh, credited alien abduction. Do you know who they are? We didn't cover these people? No. But they'll probably, it, it, it will feel so familiar because, um, so Betty and Barney Hill. Yeah, I thought we talked about that. We might have talked about them before. So they have the distinction of being the first documented case of alien abduction in the United States. Um, so in season two of American Horror Story, yeah, Kit and Elma, they're, yeah. they are based off of Betty and Barney Hill. So for anybody who was, was not familiar, who was not aware if you're an American horror horror story fan, um, yes, yeah, very loosely based. Loosely based. The fact that they were an interracial couple and and, yeah. and they had a alien visitation and such. So, with the help of a psychiatrist, um, Betty and Barney Hill were able to recall details of an alien abduction in which they were subjected to some bizarre medical like examination. Um, Betty, also known as Eunice Barrett, was a, was a resident of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. She was a social worker for the state of New Hampshire. She was a strong advocate for abused children, and she had worked adoption cases. Betty met Barney Hill first through friends while Barney was vacationing with his family in Portsmouth. He was married to his first wife at the time. And Betty told Barney about an apartment that she had, and she offered to rent it to Barney and his family when they would return on vacations. Barney Hill was extremely intelligent. He had an IQ of 140. He had dreams of going to college, but as a black man of this time, he was basically told, "Hmm, probably not going to happen. Barney was a soldier during World War II. He was wounded and discharged. He got a job as a postal worker. 
And after divorcing his first wife, he began a relationship with Betty. Um, Betty was a white woman. He and Betty were one of just a few interracial marriages in New Hampshire at this time. There was actually a fairly large African-American population in Portsmouth. Um, Naturally, the couple dealt with racism and issues that plagued interracial couples at this time. Um, Not to say that that still doesn't exist, but in 1961, they definitely would have really been in the minority as an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. On September 19th, 1961, Betty and Barney were returning from a much needed getaway to Montreal. Barney uh, worked a grueling night shift at the post office and he had a 60 mile commute each way. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's terrible. Betty's job as a social worker was equally grueling, not to mention that the couple were both very active in their church and were involved in the civil rights movement. Even though they had already been married 16 months, the trip served as a honeymoon getaway. The trip had been spontaneous, and the couple left without leaving time to stop at the bank. On the last night of their three-day trip, the couple stopped to have coffee at a diner in Vermont. They wanted to keep driving through the night so they could beat stormy conditions that were coming from an approaching hurricane. They left the diner at 10 p.m. and were hopeful that they could reach home in Portsmouth by 2 or 3 a.m. While they were driving through the White Mountains of New Hampshire, they observed white lights approaching their car. At first... Barney believed it was just a satellite. However, the light seemed to be moving with the car as Barney steered down a curving road. The light was making unusual zigzag patterns and would disappear behind trees and then reappear. Finally, the hills pulled over at a road stop to investigate. And through binoculars, Betty saw that the light was actually an object spinning through the air. She chastised Barney, stating, If you think this is a star or a satellite, you're crazy. Barney, who was a very logical man, would not have given the idea of a flying saucer a second thought before. He was also becoming concerned, but he didn't want to scare his wife. Barney stopped the car abruptly, and he grabbed a handgun that he had stowed behind the seat. He entered a dark field while Betty stayed in the car. Never a good idea. Nope. He pulled out binoculars and spied something unworldly. Hovering over his car was a cigar-shaped craft with non-human-looking figures. Not good. They were gray, uniformed beings, and they were looking right at him. A voice inside his head instructed him to keep looking, not to put the binoculars down. Barney thought, we're about to be captured. Barney began yelling, and he bolted back to the car. Betty was craning her head outside of the car window. There were loud, rhythmic beats sounding from the car's trunk, and then the couple lost consciousness. The next thing that the Hills remembered was being 35 miles more ahead in their drive home. Betty's dress was stained and torn, and Barney's shoes were badly scuffed. There were physical changes to the car and to their belongings that they could not explain. They had lost track of about two hours of time. This shared amnesia became a great source of anxiety for the Hills, especially Betty, who was plagued with confusing nightmares. Betty was determined to make sense of her disturbing dreams and to figure out if her dreams were actual memories. Betty checked out books from the library and discovered NICAP, or the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon. She reported the sighting to the Air Force before she, because she was worried about radiation. NICAP was actually one of the only legitimate organizations dedicated to scientific investigations of UFOs. In October of 1961, Walter Webb, a NICAP investigator, interviewed the Hills. He believed their story. They were consistent in the details, and he conducted separate interviews with the couple whom he deemed as reliable, intelligent people who had no reason to make this up. 
They actually had a lot to lose by sharing the story since they both were very visible and active in the civil rights movement. Barney being a black man really didn't want to call negative attention to himself. Don't blame him. So um, Walter Webb kind of felt like, I don't really see what they have to gain by making this up. People are going to think they're crazy. So Betty's anxiety and Barney developing an ulcer prompted the couple to seek out additional help from a psychiatrist. They met with Dr. Benjamin Simon, who was also a neurologist who specialized in hypnosis. He had worked with soldiers who had experienced PTSD and felt maybe he could help the Hills. With Dr. Simon's help, the Hills were able to recall what happened during the missing time on September 19, 1961. The Hills were escorted onto a spacecraft and taken to separate examination rooms. Betty describes a physical examination that involved grays, as they were called, taking pictures of her skin, her hands, and her feet. She had a sense that they were testing her nervous system. Betty remembered Barney taking a sharp turn in the road, and Betty recalled being afraid when when she saw the men in the road. They were also talking in her head. She asked Barney, what is this? And Barney said, it's them. Betty planned to run into the woods to hide, but she was stopped and she lost consciousness. The aliens had escorted her into the woods and brought her aboard the ship. She went up the ramp and went inside, and they were saying to Betty, there's nothing to be afraid of. We're just going to do a few tests, then you'll be on your way. She kicked one of them, and her dress got torn. She was taken into an exam room, and she saw them take Barney into a separate room. She meets a figure known as the examiner. Oh, I don't like that I, name. I hate this whole story. He told her to take off her dress, so he unzipped her dress for her, and then she slid out of the dress. She recalled having no shoes on. She also recalled them using something like a stylus pressing on the vertebrae in her spine and skin samples being taken. Oh, God. She was rolled over on her back and the examiner had a long needle in his hand. She asked what he was going to do with the needle and he said, it's just a simple test. He said he wanted to put the needle into her navel. No. She begged him not to do it because she feared it would hurt. Well, the needle did hurt a lot. Betty was told that the needle was a pregnancy test. Under hypnosis, Barney recalled the drive through the White Mountains and seeing the light in the sky. But once he got to the part where he was standing in a field looking at the UFO, Barney became very agitated and he wanted to wake up. Barney remembered wanting to remain in control and didn't want Betty to know how scared he was. Dr. Simon continued to push Barney to go deeper um, to go past his mental block. Barney recalled the ship right overhead of him and he walked across the road. As he's recalling these details to Dr. Simon, he had a very emotional release. And Barney recalled that it felt like a powerful force was controlling him. Inside of his head, he was told to stay there and keep looking. Barney kept wanting to pull the binoculars away from his eyes, but it was almost like a train wreck he couldn't look away from. He recalls the aliens talking in his head and just saying over and over again, keep looking, keep looking. Barney recalled hearing mysterious beeps. He was driving and he made a turn and he didn't know why he had to make the turn. He was on a dirt road with tall trees all around. He seemed surprised that he had ended up in the woods. There was a fiery orange orb and there were entities dressed in shiny clothing. The entities closed in on the car and there was no escaping them. When Barney was being examined, his clothes were removed and he was afraid to open his eyes. He was afraid he was going to be operated on. They put something into Barney's rectum and something cup-like was placed over his genitals for a sperm sample collection. 
This is a direct quote now. After Betty's examination ended, the beings rushed back into her room excited. They discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed. Betty laughed, explaining that Barney had dentures, a fact of human aging the beings struggled to understand. Later, alone with the leader, Betty asked where the craft had flown, admitting she knew little of the universe. The being joked with her, saying, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. Later, under hypnosis, Betty drew a star map shown to her on the ship. So the beings apparently showed Betty a 3D star map, an oblong map that had a lot of scattered dots. She had asked, where are you from? And then Betty reproduced the map for memory. The hills were escorted back to their car by the beings, and Barney felt relieved and walked back to his car with his eyes closed. Barney watched Betty being led back to the car, and Barney said that he wasn't afraid anymore. He saw a bright moon, and he watched the craft go away and thought, there it goes. So the hills resumed driving. Betty was laughing now and said, do you believe in flying saucers now? And Barney said, of course I don't. He didn't want to admit that they had been part of something different than he had ever seen before. So Dr. Simon felt that this was the most extraordinary story that he'd ever heard. He believed in their honesty, even though the story seemed hard to believe. Dr. Simon ultimately concluded, though, that Barney had absorbed Betty's dreams, that the couple were actually suffering from some sort of psychological phenomenon. The Hills chose to accept that they had been abducted by aliens. Barney had even been told by some fellow soldiers that alien aircrafts were real and that secret missions were happening. Wow. Betty and Barney, as much as they believed in what had happened to them, hoped that they, excuse me, could keep their story private. Well, they were wrong. Of course not. The story, of course, was all over the newspapers. A man named John Luttrell, a reporter for the Boston Traveler, received confidential information from a friend of Betty's who spilled the story without permission. Betty and Barney refused to be interviewed by Luttrell, but Luttrell reported on the story anyway. He claimed the public had a right to know. He did tell the public that the Hills actually did not authorize him to tell the story. Unable to enjoy the intense media spotlight, they agreed to cooperate with an author who wrote the the book The Interrupted Journey. It was huge. It was a book club selection. This was the first time that hypnosis had been used to regress people to recover memories. This was the first time to describe aliens as greys. It was also the first time anyone had reported in losing time. In these days, there was minimal media, so if you ended up in a magazine, it was huge. Barney had been appointed to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. They were both active in politics. The publication of the book took them away from their passions, and they were promoting the book, appearing on TV, and doing other publicity appearances. Kathleen Martin, who was Barney and uh, Betty Hill's niece, has been investigating their experience for over 40 years. And she feels she's uncovered a cover-up. One of the pieces of information that were compelling to her was she found a falsified letter that was written in 1963 that contradicted Betty and Barney's statements in what is called the Project Blue Book document. In it, the government report states that the object that they saw was star was a star-like object at all times that did not move. It stayed stationary. Mm. The Hill's story was that the object did move, and they described all that zigzagging movement. So there were there were facts that were not not, facts. not consistent with what the Hills actually said. John Luttrell, in 1976, admitted to interviewing witnesses in a letter to Stanton Friedman. 12 to 14 people in the White Mountains who had also observed a craft on the same night as Barney and Betty. Huh. The Charles files with the witness accounts have gone missing, though. 
Betty kept the dress from the abduction night, and it's now, you know, in a, in a museum. Several tests have been done on the dress over the years. There are stained areas, and when the dress was turned inside out and a series of three spots were found, suggested that when the needle went into the navel, bodily fluid came out and stained the inside lining of the dress. Betty never wore the dress again after that night. So that evidence is evidence from, from that night. It was in the, area, in the area where it looked like it would have been close to the abdomen. Huh. It seemed the aliens wanted to know about human biology. In the 1970s, an Ohio school teacher claimed that the Hill story was real and she knew where the aliens were. Betty Hill had created a star map for memory during hypnosis. So this school teacher named Marjorie Fish studied the map. Marjorie was also an amateur astronomer and a member of Mensa. She thought if the place really did exist, she could find it. Marjorie constructed a 3D model using fishing line and beads, and she concluded that the sun had to be in the pattern. She constructed 14 models. They came from a binary star called Zeta Reticuli that was 39 light years from Earth. If the planets revolving around this star, they could be supporting life. This area where the aliens supposedly came from is rich in exoplanets. In 1974, an article titled The Zeta Reticuli Incident was featured in Astronomy Magazine. It was, of course, about Betty and Barney Hill's incident, and it explained how Betty had created a map that showed the sky from a planet orbiting the star Zeta Reticuli. This article largely hurt the credibility of the magazine, as a majority of the readers dismissed the story as BS. Yeah. Whether you believe the Hill story or not, they set the precedent for how alien abductions are investigated in our society. The Hills did not come across as crackpots. They were intelligent, empathetic, and well-respected in their community. Some felt that it would not make sense to come forward with a story that could potentially discredit Barney as a black man deeply involved in the civil rights movement. While Dr. Simon did not call the Hills liars, he felt that there was a psychological phenomenon at play in which they absorbed each other's dreams, fears, and anxieties. Mm. Some say that the stress of being an interracial couple in the 1960s was a contributing factor. Who knows? I always err on the side of conspiracy theories myself. Um, so whenever there's a suggestion of a government or military cover-up, I say, mm, you know, probably, maybe, probably. So what became of the Hills? Barney, unfortunately, died very early of, of a cerebral hemorrhage at just at age 46. Well, that's eye-opening. Um, Betty was a huge celebrity in the UFO community, and she died in 2004 at the age of 85, and she never God remarried. Love her. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the character of Kit and Alma, Kit died young, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, so he was kind of like, the re- it was the reverse. Did he die young? Yes, remember Kit died, he, yep, in his 40s. Oh. Yeah, in his yeah. 40s, not as a young, young man, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I was thinking at the beginning of the movie and then I got confused, or getting yeah. in the show and then I got confused. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I can see the similarities. So full disclosure... I did not know about these two. And as I started reading, I go, wait a minute, American Horror Story. I'm like, this, this is I've, ringing a bell. I mean, I've heard this story before. I just didn't know the details. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really cool. Well, I didn't know they were an interracial couple. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I really did not know that's that. probably not talked about a lot. Yeah. And like, you know. It's a very interesting story. I mean, you know, I, fascinating. You know I love a, a UFO U- story. A UFO story is solid. Yeah. That's a solid situation. And that's a pretty... The thing with them is they never wavered. You know what I mean? They never wavered. Every time that story was told, it was... The same story. And they and they and these were two people that did not come across as, you know, attention-seeking or they were both very smart. Yeah. 
very poised. Good heads on their shoulders. Barney was Barney was seen by people as almost it was almost surprising. Like well, he's a pretty logical man. Like he's not a person that just buys into this. So something happened that made him go, okay, yeah, yeah. I guess this happened. So yeah, no, that's a good story. I like that one. Yeah, it's a good one. We also haven't had a good UFO. No, and that's the thing. I was like, what haven't we done in a while? I'm like, we're doing a lot of straight up heinous murder you know i enjoy that i do too i don't like people no i know i know i know but i thought let's change it up a little bit you know but we are a good witch story me too but i can't find any there's not a lot of like good name brand witches no there aren't guess what people don't care about women oh that's right i don't know if you know this but our country at least hates women i'm starting to realize that yeah it's truly horrible um, this is not going to turn into a polyg- political show. Polygamous. Oh my God. I almost <laughs> said polygamous. It's going to turn into a polygamist um, podcast. How would we do that as a podcast? It's going to be a poly. First of all, I'd have to get him married that, I mean, I'm not you, even would I? We're not getting married. No, I'm not, not marrying sister you. Wives. Oh God. No, we're not being sister wives. No. Um, I would marry a cat before I got into a polygamous situation called bestiality i didn't say i would sleep with the cat i said i would bestiality is you don't you have to have a relationship don't you have it to could have be an emotional relationship oh, i'm already, googling it i already have that emotional connection to many cats is bestiality have- um bestiality i'm gonna go to hell for my google search history <laughs> Google is like breaking. Okay. I don't know what he's eating, but he's posted in that bowl and there's no food in it. I don't think there's food in there. Is there? Maybe he puked in it. Who knows? Oh, he's Um, crunching. He's crunching. I don't like that. The first thing that came up on Google when I typed in bestiality was free bestiality porn. Not a definition when I typed in bestiality definition. Can you forward me that? Just kidding. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Well, you did just admit that you wanted to marry a cat. I didn't say I wanted to. Yes, I said I did. would. I said if I had a choice of polygamy or marrying a cat, I would choose marrying a cat. Really? Yes. Polygamy means I mean, I'm married to a person, right? Yeah. I'm but just saying, like, I'm not saying polygamy is a good thing or a bad thing. It is a thing that exists that people do. And just like with anything, there are bad people that practice polygamy. Oh, no, I'm not against practice... polygamy for other people. No, 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 I know. But what I want to say could be a controversial statement, which is I feel like the person in polygamy that is probably having a more difficult time with it is the dude. And let me tell you why. Well, yeah, we talked about this before. Because he can never be away from anyone. No. He's either constantly around his wife or constantly around his yeah. kids. Because where else are you going to go? Well. Women, they have him for maybe like, if you've got four wives, right? <laughs> you get him for like once, once, one week a month. I'll take that. Yeah, but do you have to be in a polygamous relationship for that to be a thing? Well, no. I mean, you could be in a polyamorous relationship. You could be in a just a situationship with somebody. But I'm just saying. One week a month? Yes, I'm down with that. I'm fine with and that. And then if you're like a person that really wants kids and but doesn't really want like, you know. Have one of the sister wives. A full-time reason. husband. Yeah. You can have your kids and a part-time husband. 
Can they both be part-time, the kids and the husband? No. Oh. That's not how kids work. Uh, see, I don't have either of those things. Do you see why? No. Oh, God. Sorry, I don't. I'm sorry, I'm sticking to cats. Um, I don't. But you are more, you are, this is a free fucking country. You can do whatever you want as long as whatever you want to do doesn't infringe upon other people's rights. Boom. Drop the mic. A mic just dropped in the back. Are we Most all of this here? episode is us talking about random topics. So that's fine. Because yes. um, we, I just rambled on about that. But anyway, friends, um, I forgot we were recording for a minute. Um, you I should. Like, I feel like we've been doing that. <laughs> you should follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 31 Nights of Scary Shit. You should send us an email, 31 Nights of Scary Shit at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and just, you know, make sure to uh, stay spooky. Bye.